In my early years as a Christian, years ago, I had a season, a couple of year season, where my whole focus was just on knowing the right things and doing the right things. Knowing the right things, doing the right things. That was my whole focus, but, but I, I wasn't seeking God himself. You know the difference? I wasn't hungering to know God through Jesus. I was just focusing on learning things and, and being as obedient as I could. Now, it is important to learn the truth of God's word and to obey God's word. This is important, right? We're all in agreement on that. But, but it was not right that that was my whole focus. I was not right. And I wasn't seeking God the way the scriptures called me to. Like Psalm 42, I was thinking about this week. As the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. See, during those years, I didn't have any hunger for God. I was learning things, and I was obeying and, and learning things, and I was obeying, but I wasn't seeking God. I wasn't seeking to know God through, through Jesus. And because of that, I didn't experience what the Scriptures described believers can experience. For example, I wasn't experiencing having God's love poured into my heart by the Holy Spirit, like Paul describes in Romans chapter 5, verse 5. I wasn't experiencing that. I wasn't experiencing what Peter describes in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8, where he says that we can have such joy in Jesus that it's a joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. I wasn't experiencing that. Or what Jesus describes in John 7, 37 to 38, where he says we can have rivers of living water pouring into our thirsty souls. I wasn't experiencing that. For that couple of year season, back in my early years as a Christian, but God, God loves me because of Jesus. He's merciful, and he delivered me from that. And the way he did that was through different passages of Scripture like the one we're going to look at this morning. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. Let's go ahead and turn there. This is a powerful passage where we hear what Paul prays for the believers in Ephesus, which by implication, this is how we should be praying for ourselves and for each other. And what Paul prays in these verses is that God would strengthen us by the power of his Spirit so that we would experience Jesus dwelling in our hearts. And as a result of that, we'd be rooted and grounded in his love. We would grow in our knowledge of how vast his love for us is so that we would experience his love in greater measure. And Paul says we'd be filled up to all the fullness of God. It's an amazing prayer. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. And I'm praying that God will use this passage. Some of you maybe are right where I was back in that season. You're maybe focused on believing the right things and doing the right things, but you're not hungry to know Jesus. You're not thirsting for him. And I'm praying that God will use this passage to to wake you up to the fact that, yes, keep learning the right things and, and keep seeking to obey God, but above all, hunger for Him, to know Him, to love Him, to worship Him. 
So some of you need, need a wake-up call, and this passage can be it. I'm praying that it will be a wake-up call to you this morning. Others of you are hungering for the Lord, but, but maybe this morning God will stir that hunger even more. Like maybe this morning will be a little appetizer. You're like, oh, yes, yes, I want to seek more. I want to hunger for more. I want to thirst for more. Look at what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power, through his spirit in your inner being, in your heart, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus, throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amazing prayer, isn't it? Have you prayed this for you, for your wife, for your husband, for your children, for those in your home group? Mm, powerful prayer. Now, it's interesting, though, that, that Paul opens it up in, in kind of a way that's puzzling. And these are verses we could easily skip over, but we should not skip over any verses the Holy Spirit had Paul write verse 15, for example. So the question I want to start off with is, why does Paul open this prayer the way he does? And I think the reason he does this is because he knows we're going to have a hard time believing that God can do what Paul prays here. But look again at how Paul opens this prayer. And why does he do it this way? Verse 14, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father. Okay, that, that makes sense to us from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, what's that mean? That according to the riches of his glory, he may, and then he prays the rest of his prayer. Now look at verse 15 first. Paul says that God names every family in heaven and on earth. Now if you think biological families like mother and father and children, you'll be very confused here. This Greek word family, like the English word family, it can have a much broader meaning. And here, what it means isn't biological families in heaven or on earth. He just means groupings of people. Groupings of people, groupings of beings. And so he's including angels, he's including believers, unbelievers. What Paul is saying here is that God has named all the different groupings of beings everywhere that exist. And in the Bible, when God names something... Very often, that's a sign that God is in sovereign control and authority over that something. And so the way Paul is starting this prayer is he's reminding his listeners, us, that God is in sovereign control over everything in heaven and on earth. Nothing is outside of God's control, which means that whatever God wants to do, God can do. 
God's the only being for whom that's true. Only God is sovereign. That whatever he wants to do, he can do, which means he can do this prayer that Paul is asking. Now, what about verse 16, the beginning? Why talk about according to the riches of his glory? Well, I think Paul's point is, what's the measure with which God will answer this prayer? Like, what, what size spout is he going to pour out the answer to us? Is it like a little tiny, like a five-millimeter spout? Like, just a little trickle coming through? No, no, he's talking about the, how vast his glory is. That's the measure with which God will answer this prayer. In other words, it's, it's an outpouring. The vastness of the riches of God's glory is the measure. That's, he will answer this prayer according to how rich his glory is, and his glory is vastly rich, so he is going to totally answer this prayer. So are we clear on that? Will God answer this prayer? Yes, God's in sovereign control over everything in the universe, and this is how big God answers prayer. This is how vast his answers to prayer are. Okay, so that brings us to our next question. What is Paul asking God to do here? Look at what he says in verse uh, 16 through the first half of verse 17. Paul prays that according to the riches of his glory, he, God the Father, may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So Paul is praying that God would strengthen us with power in, in our inner being. That's just talking about our hearts. This isn't physical strength he's talking about here. This is spiritual strength. And Paul is praying that the Holy Spirit would strengthen us so that Christ would dwell in our hearts. And notice those last two words in verse 17. Christ dwells in our hearts through faith. So if Paul prays that we'd be strengthened with the Holy Spirit so that Christ will dwell in our hearts and Christ dwells in our hearts through faith, then what Paul's asking the Holy Spirit to do is to strengthen our faith. Do you see that? Let me say it again. If Paul prays that we'd be strengthened by the Spirit so that Christ would dwell in our hearts and Christ dwells in our hearts through faith, then what Paul's praying for the Holy Spirit to do is to strengthen our faith. So think about how is your faith? Faith means trusting all that God has promised to be to us in Jesus Christ. So faith means trusting that Jesus Christ will forgive my sins as I confess them and trust him because of what he's done on the cross. Every sin will be forgiven. Faith means trusting that. Faith means trusting that the good work God has started in me, he will continue all the way to heaven. He will keep me on that road. I won't be sinless, but he will keep me on the road all the way I will enter heaven. Faith means trusting that Jesus is the bread of life, no matter what heart hungers or thirsts I have, if I come to him, he will fully satisfy me every time. John chapter 6, verse 35. What Amy was referring to this morning, Jesus' power through the word can free us from temptations again and again and again and again. Jesus promises to orchestrate every circumstance of our lives to bring us the greatest joy in him, both the blessings he brings us and the trials that he brings to us. And the list just goes on and on. So Paul's praying that the Holy Spirit would strengthen our faith so that Christ will dwell in our hearts. Now think about, get this, try to get this tangible. You might have like maybe 50 volts of faith power in you right now, okay? Volts, right? Is that, I'm not an electrician, but okay, close enough, okay? 
Play along with me. 50 volts of faith power in your heart right now. And that's good. We, we praise God for that. But see, Paul's praying that the Holy Spirit would strengthen you so that you would have more faith, stronger faith, that maybe your 50 volts would go to 70 volts or maybe 100 volts or maybe 200 volts. The point I want to make is, are you settling for where you are? Or are you praying, strengthen my faith? Strengthen me so I, I trust that you are my all-satisfying treasure. So I trust that you have forgiven me. I'm clothed in your perfect righteousness. Because of Christ, you love me and forgive me and accept me. Can you trust that he will give you all the wisdom you need for that work problem you're facing this week? Can you trust that he will help you have patience and grace in that neighbor situation that you're facing, whatever it might be? Paul prays that we would be strengthened in our faith. Go from 50 volts to a 70 to 100 to 200. And the reason Paul prays that is that as our faith grows, Christ will dwell in our hearts. Again, read verse 16 and the beginning of verse 17 again together. Paul prays that according to the riches of his glory, he, God the Father, may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, if you've read much of the Bible, and I hope you have, that might puzzle you, because you've read in other places that every believer has Christ dwelling in them. If you're trusting Jesus Christ right now, you have Jesus Christ dwelling in you right now. So why does Paul pray, Father, strengthen their faith through the Spirit so that Christ will dwell in their hearts through faith? Why does Paul pray that? I think the reason is because while we as believers have Christ indwelling us, our experience of his indwelling can diminish over time. Right? We get busy. We get distracted into pursuing other things. Remember what Paul said to the, some of the churches in the first letters of, uh, first chapters of Revelation? Remember the church that had left its first love? right? We can do that, right? Or the church that become lukewarm, we can do that. So it's not that we don't already have Christ dwelling in us, but Paul is praying that the Holy Spirit will strengthen our faith in Christ so that we will experience the indwelling of Christ more, because we can have that diminish over time. Picture your heart like, like a home, a home, okay? And when you first put your trust in Jesus Christ, Jesus comes to dwell in that home. And at the moment that you put your trust in Christ and he enters your home, joy fills your house. Remember? Remember Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and I'm knocking, right? Anyone who hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and fellowship with him, sup with him, dine with him, and he with me. So you put your trust in Jesus he walks in your door, and the house lights up with joy. And you sat with him. Remember? You fellowshiped with him. The highest point of your day was talking with him, pouring your soul out before him, because no one's as glorious as Jesus, as loving as Jesus, as wise as Jesus, as powerful, as helpful 
as majestic as Jesus. The high point of your day was spending that time with Jesus. He was there living in you, and you were fellowshipping with him and knowing him and loving him. But what happened? Well, this hobby you became interested in over here, you're out in your garage fiddling around with something, or or you 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 started wanting to, like, I don't know, uh, a new relationship came into your life, or or just you know, what's on TV, or you know, whatever it might be, right? You're busy, work, I mean, you're leaving early, you're coming back late, and pretty soon it's like, Jesus, hello, I, I, I'm off, I gotta go do something, and I'll hope to talk to you sometime, you're back home late, okay, he's, he's waiting for you, but I've, I've got to t- I'm tired, I gotta go to bed. And so, what happened? Paul prays, Father, strengthen them by the power of your spirit, strengthen their faith, so that they would see what they're missing, so that they would experience Christ dwelling in their hearts. Do that, Father. Do you need that to happen in your life? The answer is yes for all of us. Let's just be clear. The answer is yes for all of us because all of us have distractions, sin seeps in, other interests come up. Remember your first love. Remember what it was to sit there with Jesus in your in your heart, and to pour out your soul before him, to read his word, to fellowship with him, to worship him, to know him. Paul's praying, Father, you're in sovereign control over every being. According to the riches of your glory, strengthen them, strengthen their faith so that they'll experience Christ in their heart, dwelling in their heart more. Do you see that? That's what Paul's praying here. Now, what happens when Christ dwells in our hearts? Paul tells us in the second half of verse 17 through verse 19. So verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and then here's what happens, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So what happens when Christ dwells in our hearts through faith? Three things. Three things happen. First, we will be rooted and grounded in Christ's love. That's the end of verse 17, that you being rooted and grounded in love. He's talking about Christ's love here. So two analogies, two metaphors, rooted in Christ's love. Paul's picturing us like plants. Plants have roots. Roots need soil that's full of nutrients and vitamins and minerals, right? And Jesus is thick, loamy, mineral-rich, vitamin-rich soil. And when you sink your roots down into Jesus, you are just thriving. You're growing. You're green. You're flourishing when your roots are sunk, and when the Holy Spirit strengthens your faith and Christ dwells in your heart and you experience his indwelling more, your roots will be rooted down into Jesus. And Jesus is such wonderful soil that even if you're a plant like out in the middle of the Abu Dhabi desert and it's 135 degrees, if you're sunk down into Jesus' soil, you're flourishing, you're thriving, right? You're bearing fruits. Or if it's like a howling blizzard, okay, gale force winds. If you're rooted down into Jesus' soil, you're thriving, you're flourishing, you're bearing fruit. 
When Jesus is indwelling our hearts and we're having that heart fellowship by faith in him, we are rooted in his love and we're able to flourish, able to thrive, able to bear fruit, no matter what's going on in our workplaces. Work's tough here, right? Except for me, all right? Work's tough for all of you. I pray for you, okay? No matter what's happening in your workplace, no matter what's happening financially, no matter what's happening in your health, right? Jesus, I'm trusting you. You're in control here. Okay, rooted in his love. All right, what about grounded in his love? That's a different metaphor. It's a a building term. It's like you build a house on a foundation. This is the same word used when Jesus talks about the wise man builds his house upon the rock. Builds upon. Same word as Paul uses here. That's what's being described. And the love of Christ is the foundation our houses are meant to be built on. Because the love of Jesus Christ, as displayed on the cross, Jesus, fully God, becoming a man, going to the cross, bearing in his body the punishment that we deserve for our sin, dying on the cross, paying for our sin, rising from the dead, Jesus' love displayed in the cross is a rock-solid foundation. I mean, most foundations are maybe, you know, what, 20 yards wide and 30 yards, this may, but how big are foundations? But th- think of a foundation that's like 500,000 million trillion miles deep of concrete and a foundation that's like even wider and longer. It's just like rock solid. Nothing's going to make that foundation budge. The foundation of Christ's love is just like, mmm, it's there, Okay. So gale force winds come, you're building that foundation, you're doing fine, all right? Earthquakes come, doing fine, right? You're built on Christ's love. Okay, that's, that's the foundation. So when the Holy Spirit strengthens our faith in his promises, so we experience Christ dwelling in our hearts more, we will be rooted in Christ's love, flourishing, bearing fruit, no matter what's happening, and we will be grounded on Christ's love, not budging no matter what circumstances may hit us or what our surroundings may bring to us. Rooted and grounded in love. That's the first result. Second, we will understand the extent of Christ's love. That's verses 18 and 19. Start in 17 again to get the the flow of thought. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. So when the Holy Spirit strengthens our faith in Christ so we experience more of his indwelling, we will have the strength to comprehend, to understand the va- how vast Christ's love is. We will grow in our understanding of Christ's love, the breadth of it, the length of it, the height, the depth. I'm not sure what those mean, but it just means there's more to understand. I know it means that. Now think about it. People love to study different topics, like the histories of 
Bentley cars or, or politics in Yugoslavia, you know, or, or investments or, or how, to, how to avoid lower back pain. There's all kinds of different topics that people like to study. And that's fine. But there's one topic that is infinitely more important, more valuable to study than all others put together. The love of Christ. What happened on the cross, what happened in his coming, what took place as he died, what took place when he rose, the love of Christ. Because the love of Christ, to understand his love, to behold his love, to worship him for his love, there is no truth, no body of knowledge that's so securing, so satisfying, so purpose-giving for your life. And Paul says that when the Holy Spirit strengthens our faith, so we experience more of Christ's indwelling, we will be strengthened to be able to understand how vast Christ's love is. Now, you might think you know quite a bit about Christ's love, and I'm grateful for all that you do know, but let me tell you, none of us here has come close to even beginning to start to learn a little bit about Christ's love. So I, I thought about this. When I was growing up, we had a, a set of the Encyclopedia Britannica in our house. Anybody remember? This is way back long, before any of you were born, okay? It's like about 20 volumes of the Encyclopedia Britannica. I remember it was beautiful, big, brown, hardcover, little print, just all this knowledge there. Can you imagine that, that, that instead of the Encyclopedia Britannica, this is 20 volumes of Christ's love, okay? Now, we have opened, pulled out the first volume and looked at the first page, and we've maybe read the first couple paragraphs on the first page. That's how much we know compared to what there is to know. And the more we know, the more we will love him, worship him, be rooted in him, be grounded in him. So don't think you've, you've got this pretty much wrapped up. Okay, there's a, there's a couple more pages in the first volume, and then just keep going, okay? So but this is one of the results, is that we will be strengthened to understand the extent of Christ's love. Third result we will experience Christ's love so powerfully that we are filled with God. This is amazing. I wouldn't believe this except that Paul writes it here. We can experience this, verse 19, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. It's good to know it, but there's more than just knowing it. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge means that as important as it is to know, and it's very important to study God's Word and to learn God's Word, but it means moving from knowing to tasting, feeling, experiencing. I mean, what does it mean to have God, God's love poured into your heart by the Holy Spirit? What is that? doesn't mean you just know that God loves you, as important as that is. That means there's times when God pours his very love into your heart and you feel his love for you. We adopted both of our kids. And we stood, I mean, we stood before a judge and he, he asked us questions. We said yes. And then from that point on, they were official and we had the certificate. And from the very beginning, we told our kids, you know, we, here's how we adopted you. Here's the story about how it happened. But it was one thing for us to, to tell them it's another thing for us just to say, here, let me just give you a hug. In fact, Jan and I would make, I forget what we call them, like love sandwiches or something, but 
we'd be hugging each other, and then the, the kids would be it. We'd get between us, and so it'd be us. You get what I'm saying? To, to, an Anna sandwich, because Anna would get between us. Okay, that's what it was. Thank you. An Anna sandwich. But it's one thing to know that your parents love you. It's another thing for them to come and say, here, let me show you. Okay? It's one thing to know God loves us in Christ. Extremely important. Know it. Learn it. Study it. But there's times where he just wants to put his arms around you and pour his very love into your heart through Jesus. That's what Paul's talking about here. And he will do that so much that he says we will be filled up with all the fullness of God. It would be amazing enough if Paul said we'd be filled with God. But he says we'd be filled with the fullness of God. But actually, not even just filled with the fullness of God, filled with all the fullness of God. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean? I, I can't explain it, but I thought the best way that maybe to give you a sense of what's going on here is to give you two stories from church history of godly people who've experienced this. So let me tell you two stories. D.L. Moody was an evangelist in the U.S., late 1800s. He had an amazing ministry, but there was a time in his life where he wanted more of God. And here's what happened, he says. Is this up here? There it is. I began to cry out, as never before, for a greater blessing from God. The hunger increased. I kept on crying all the time that God would fill me with his spirit. Well, one day, in the city of New York, oh, what a day, I cannot describe it. I can only say that God revealed himself to me, and I had such an experience of his love that I had to ask him to stay his hand. No more. No more. Powerful. Another example, Howell Harris. Uh, was a friend of George Whitfield and John Wesley. If those names ring a bell. This is England, UK, 1700s. And Howell Harris had a powerful ministry in Wales. One day he decided to spend a few hours in prayer up in a church tower and he later recorded what happened, and here's what he said. I felt suddenly my heart melting within me, like wax before the fire, with love to God my Savior, and also felt not only love and peace, but a longing to be with Christ. There was a cry in my inmost soul, Abba, Father. I knew that I was his child, and that he loved me and heard me. My soul being filled, I cried, it is enough. I am satisfied. Give me strength. I will follow you through fire and water. Just this resolve to obey you no matter what the cost. When we're strengthened by the Holy Spirit and trusting Christ more, 50 volts, 70, 100, 200, we will experience Christ dwelling in us more. And one of the results is that we will experience Christ's love so powerfully that we will be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now, one caution. I don't want to be misunderstood here. The Bible is very strong that we don't live on the basis of feelings and experiences. Are we clear on that? When you're feeling nothing, it doesn't mean, well, I guess God has stopped loving me. God's love is rock-solid, sure and steadfast, as sure as the cross took place, and you're trusting him, right? We don't live on feelings or experiences, but the scriptures call us to pursue 
knowing God more, knowing Him personally, knowing Him intimately, knowing Him experientially, knowing Him feelingly. Psalm 63. I forget how it goes. I was going to quote it. Anyway, somebody look up Psalm 63.1 for me. I won't take time to look it up. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. Right? My soul thirsts for you. Actually, that's my soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. That's right. Psalm 63. Thank you, Lord. 63. So, oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul yearns for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there's no water. You're the only water. So the scriptures urge us, don't live on the basis of feelings and experiences, but press in to know God, to not just know the truth, but to feel the truth, to behold the truth, to experience the truth like he describes here. That's what Paul is saying. He's praying, God, strengthen their faith by the power of the Spirit so they will experience more of Christ dwelling in their hearts, so they'll be rooted and grounded in love, so they will know more of your love for them, and so that they will experience your love so much that they're filled all the fullness of God. Okay, now, at this point, some of you may be doubting that this could happen for you. You may be thinking, well, maybe this is for pastors and church leaders. Or maybe this is for people who've walked with Christ for decades. Or, you know, I'm, I'm not a very touchy-feely kind of guy. This is for all the kind of touchy-feely people that are out there. I'm just kind of, you know, show me the facts, man. That's all I need, right? Okay? So you're thinking, for some reason, this is not for you. I'd like to persuade you that this is for you. Because in this passage... Well, here's the question. How many of us can experience this? And notice that Paul prays this for every believer in Ephesus. Let me just show you. Verse 16, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you, all of his readers, okay? Eight-year-olds who are reading this or having this read to them. Seventy-year-olds who are having this read to them. Those who just came to faith in Christ yesterday. Those who've been walking with Christ for decades. Those who are touchy-feely and those who are not who are having this read to them. You, to be strengthened with power. Verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Verses 18 and 19, that you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints. All the believers get to experience this. What is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Every believer gets to experience this. You see that? You're in this passage, in those words, you. Now, what if you're not yet a believer and you're here? I've got good news for you too. You can become a believer. Okay? See who Jesus is, just as even we've described it here in this passage. See his love for you on the cross. You've sinned against God. You deserve God's judgment, just like all of us have and deserve his judgment as well. But he died to pay for sin. And when you put your trust in Jesus and trust him to forgive you, trust him to change you, you can't change yourself. You trust him to change you, trust him to satisfy you, he will. So if you turn and trust him right now, this is all true for you. Just like that, you're a believer. He'll save you. He'll, try, he'll forgive you. He'll change you. So every believer can expect this in our lives. And that brings us to verses 20 and 21. Very familiar, popular verses. Look at what he says. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, 
according to the power at work within us. To him be the glory, be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Why does Paul end his prayer this way? Because Paul wants to drive home the point that God is able to do what Paul has just prayed. Ask yourself this question. Is God able to strengthen you through his spirit so that you experience Christ dwelling in your heart? Is God able to do that? Is God able to have you experience Christ dwelling in you so powerfully that you are rooted in his love and grounded in his love? Is he able to do that? Is he able to have you experience Christ's indwelling so powerfully that you are able to comprehend the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ, even to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge and to be filled with all the fullness of God? The question is, is God able to do that? Verse 20, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power there's that Holy Spirit power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. He's able. He will. And when he does, the church will bring him glory. Christ will be glorified. He will do this because he's promised it and because he's able to do this. Now, one, one last question. What's our part? Paul's prayed this. What's our part in this? And let me give you two answers to that question. First, prayer. One part is prayer. Paul prays this for us. We should pray this for ourselves. We should pray this for each other. Right? Grace Church, what would happen as we pray this for each other? Oh, Lord. Church, Abu Dhabi needs this. Abu Dhabi needs churches. And there's lots of strong churches here. Let's pray this for all the churches here, that we will have Christ indwelling us so much that we will just be shining with his love, radiant with his love, thriving wherever we are. Let's pray for this. First part is prayer. First step, prayer. Second is faith. Christ dwells in our hearts through faith. The Holy Spirit strengthens our faith so that we experience Christ's indwelling more. And what can we do to have the Holy Spirit strengthen our faith. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ, Romans 10, 17. So open up the scriptures and then pray, Father, by the Spirit right now, strengthen my faith in Jesus because I want to experience Christ dwelling in me more. So we pray and we strengthen our faith through the scriptures and God will work. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly, beyond all that we ask or think, he's able and he will. Let's stand together. Father, I pray that any of us here who have been in a season where we've been just focusing on believing the right things and doing the right things, but we haven't been hungering for you and thirsting for you, I pray that you'd use this passage to stir thirst right now by the power of your Spirit, to stir up hunger for Jesus. 
Come and do that right now, we pray. And give hope, Lord. You are able, you promise to do this as we pray. I pray for others, Lord, who've been hungering and thirsting, but, but maybe need to step up the game a little bit. Maybe need to press in more. Maybe you need to turn away from some lesser things and seek your face more because you are the prize. You are our all-satisfying treasure. And we can know you through Christ. And so I pray, Lord, for us as Grace Church, would you pour this out upon us? Lord, we need this. And Abu Dhabi needs us to be experiencing this. And we pray this for the other churches in this city who are naming your name and teaching your word. Lord, pour this out upon all of us, God, so that Abu Dhabi would see believers alive and ablaze with love for Christ and be drawn to ask, who are you and who do you know that I need to get to know? Please come and do that, Lord. And Father, I pray for any here who are not yet believers. Lord, right now, touch their hearts with what you will do. You love them. You will save them. You will forgive them. You will change them. You will fill them. You will come and dwell in them. Lord, bring them right now to put their trust in Jesus, we pray. Amen.